are listening to the Next Best Picture podcast, and this is our review of The Lighthouse. Tell me, what's a timberman want with being a wiki? Just looking to earn a living. Just like any man. Starting new. On the run. Keeping secrets, are you? No, sir. Why, just spill your beans. Keepers try to maintain their sanity while living on a remote and mysterious New England island in the 1890s. The film is starring Robert Pattinson and Willem Dafoe. It is written and directed by Robert Eggers, co-written by his brother, Max Eggers. Joining me for this podcast review is Bianca Gardner. Hiya, you're right. And Dan Baer. Why just spill your beans? Why just spill your beans? Oh my god. <laughs> oh. Bianca, want to give it a go? Want want to give a why'd you spill your beans? So okay, let, let, let me try. <clears throat> why'd you spill your beans? <laughs> yes. <laughs> nice. Love it. Love it. Now the question on my mind is why did you spill your beans? AKA, what did you all think of the lighthouse? <laughs> Bianca, um, we'll start with you. Uh this movie. Oh, my God, this movie. I don't even know, like, from a spoiler standpoint, how deep you all want to go. Do you guys think it will be easy if we just let it let it fly and we just talk freely? Yeah, I almost think that's the only way that we can discuss this film. Pretty much. It, yeah, because it's so bonkers. It's so crazy. It's just amazing. And I love it. And uh, I can't restrain myself from talking about it and the scenes I want to talk about and they may be spoilers but then even then you're going to get a a whole different experience every time you watch this movie I feel like it's a a film that you'll you'll watch and you'll have a completely different take on it every time that you watch it I mean this it's definitely got that watchability factor to it uh and I, I just yeah, I I, oh, I don't know where to begin. That, well, that's my thing. Like, I, I feel bad to pass it off to anyone to get us started, actually, because – and this is why, too, I think we're going to discuss spoilers on this review is because if we didn't discuss spoilers, it would just be basically a podcast of all of us just saying this movie was fucking insane and I fucking loved it. And that's it. And that's all we would say probably, you yeah, know? That's it. That's Pretty the much, podcast. Yeah. Yeah, that's the podcast over. <laughs> At least now, uh, being able to talk openly and freely about what goes on in the lighthouse, even if we don't really know 
what exactly went on in the lighthouse, um, <laughs> we'll be able to hopefully hash some things out here. So, um, Bianca, you love it. That's awesome. Dan, I imagine you are also echoing that as well. I really, really liked it. Um, I don't know if I can go full on into love territory, but I mean, th- this movie is so ballsy <laughs> and uh, just insane and fully committed to its own insanity, to its own specific brand of insanity um, that I really kind of admire it a whole hell of a lot. Yeah, there's a commitment level here that I want to echo as well in regards to um, not just Robert and Max Eggers' uh, commitment to getting the language right. We all remember with uh, his debut film, The Witch, how the dialect in that movie was so specific. Well, here, once again, it feels very much like we're not watching a movie. It feels very much like we're actually watching something that actually took place between two people because it feels so real and so lived in, uh, mostly because of how accurate. And I, I'm listen. I don't know. I, I, I'm saying the word accurate, but I don't fucking know. But <laughs> it seems it, it's it's English, but yet it felt so foreign to me at the same time. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. totally. It has that detached feeling from it. I mean, it's like, yes, it can be set in, I mean, it looks like it's set in this world, but it almost feels like it's in its own sort of warped reality. Um, And I think the language helps that as well. It's sort of, there's lots of factors that make that the way it just feels like this weird reality you've got the 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 choice of the the camera to shoot it in black and white um how um the the editing and how how vague everything feels it all feels like almost like a weird dream where it's not it echoes reality but at the same time it's it's nothing like our own sort of perception of what you know, reality is and I think the film really plays on a, on the scene where the uh, he says you know how long have we been here has it been two days or five weeks it's all about this warped sense of reality and it's you know so brilliant I mean because uh, certain scenes how they unfold you almost think did this really happen yeah we don't really know what's real what's not where the madness begins and where it ends uh because there is no descent into madness with this movie this movie literally has its foot on the gas pedal (laughs) from the very beginning this movie is just pure madness It, it really truly is and then it goes you know over uh, over a cliff onto the rocky shores and gets you know your body just ravaged by seagulls uh <laughs> this movie is uh completely completely committed to and when i say like i, I said before the language and uh, what you're also talking about bianca too in terms of like the craft that robert eggers brings to literally every single aspect of this movie from the sound to the cinematography to the music literally like 
everything about this movie. Everyone just feels like they are putting their heart and soul into this. And I think that comes through mostly in the performances. There, there are things in this movie that I watched Willem Dafoe especially do that made me so uncomfortable. Um, I could not believe um, from both of them the, the level of commitment to these performances, both from an emotional standpoint to a physical standpoint uh, to getting dirt thrown in your nose, eyes, and mouth standpoint repeatedly. I just I, – I don't know how they did it. I really don't. It, yeah. It, it just – the level of everything is <laughs> over the top and – insane and like who else is doing anything like this like no one is doing anything like this you can only get this in a robert eggers film <laughs> it's and i fucking love it yeah i i think that with just these two films the witch and this um i think he has firmly cemented himself as one of the best new directors that we have working today just for the sheer originality of his vision and the commitment that he has to that vision absolutely no no question um i i will say like the thing that didn't work so well about this for me going um bianca what you said about the ambiguity of all this everything that is happening in this movie and i i just wish there was like a little bit more of a tether to reality because we're not, I'm not, I was never quite sure while watching it. If we're watching it as a complete from completely outside the character's perspectives for watching it from Robert Pattinson's perspective or for watching it from Willem Dafoe's perspective. Oh no, it's definitely in, from in Pattinson's perspective. Scenes, I think in, in certain scenes, I think it is mostly from his perspective, but there's, there's nothing like in terms of like the is he insane or going insane or is Willem Dafoe fucking with him? Uh, okay, so this is my reading on the movie because I thought about this a lot. I am 100% convinced that everything we see in this movie is real. Right. But so do you think Dafoe is gaslighting him? Yes. Uh, so, okay, so here's my here's my interpretation of the movie. Full-fledged spo- spoiler territory here, okay? <laughs> I think that... We have to. I think that Robert Pattinson did something really horrible in his life. He probably did kill a man. Um, as uh, as, uh, as he... I think at one point he does reveal... Because uh, he took – oh, no, no, he didn't kill him, right? He just took his name, I think. Well, no, he, he did. says that he didn't kill him, but Defoe's like, no, you killed him. I think – I think he yeah, really did yeah. kill him, and I think that he is in purgatory. Right, me too, yeah. Oh, interesting. Okay. I think the lighthouse is literally him just like basically in what he envisions as the worst possible place in the fucking planet, <laughs> the cosmos, whatever. It is just him reliving like this hellish, nightmarish, you know, uh, life over and over and over, and it's never ending. And then you get also the Greek mythology aspect uh, thrown into right. it as well. Um, the idea that Prometheus stole light from the gods because he has this obsession with the light in the lighthouse. And then at the end, the final shot of his whole body being plucked to death by the seagulls, that's also directly taken from the Greek mythology as well. So 
it makes me believe, you know, that this is a guy who did something he was not supposed to, and he is being punished for all eternity for it. And he's forced to kind of relive it over and over and over again. Like, he will be reborn, and he will have to go through this. Because, um, like, when... Thomas, like, tells him, I used to have another guy, um, you know, that worked underneath me, but we don't really know as an audience what happened to him. And Winslow keeps thinking, you know, oh, well, clearly this guy's mad and bonkers. He obviously killed him. I think that that is also Winslow. And like I said, it just it's just repeat cycle over and over that he cannot escape. Can I? Right. Okay. Uh, I have an idea that... <laughs> The, the characters are actually the same person. Oh, I like that. Because mm-hmm. at one point he says, oh, my name's Thomas as well. When he reveals, Winslow reveals his um, true name. Yeah, he says it's Thomas. And I think that it's almost like he has, like you're saying about being tortured. Well, who's the most, you know, if we're going to torture ourselves, Let's actually have an embodiment of that. Oh, I like that so much. Yes. Yeah, that's really cool. So that's my theory of it. I completely agree that there is the the Pimetheus angle there, you know, the final shot, which is so, like, oh, my God. Like, I was not expecting that. I mean, it's quite graphic. There are lots of violent scenes. I mean, that poor seagull. Oh, when he kills the seagull. That's a scene, too, that, um, you know, there's a lot of moments like this in the movie where uh, because it's just played so straightforward and because we as an audience know how insane all of it is, a lot of stuff comes off as, I think, intentionally hysterical, not unintentionally. I think it's intentionally meant to be funny because if you didn't have those breaks of nervous laughter, especially, then I think this movie would be a real chore to sit through. But I think another thing that also makes this film so unique and so wild and why I love it so much is because I have a really, really hard time classifying what exactly it is. Is it a comedy? Is it a thriller? Is it a horror film? Is it a drama? And it's all of those things. Like another film this year that I absolutely adore, Parasite, it's not just one thing. And I think that makes for a much more enriching experience when you have that. Oh, yeah, I definitely agree. I think it's one of those films which is it's so hard to to put into one little box. And that's what I think yeah. the films that have come out this year, you know, you've just mentioned um, Parasite, but I was thinking more like High Life or um, Under the Silver Lake, a film that you really can't decide what is reality and what's not reality. And it's this weird theme that's going through cinema at this moment like uh, we're all having our own sort of crisis of identity <laughs> is this the real life oh gosh <laughs> is this just fantasy i gotta say that scene where um he's doing uh, i think yeah i think he's like throwing like the shit uh into the water <laughs> and the wind like blows it back oh my god him. it's so funny <laughs> The manual labor that he does in this movie was, like, as I was watching it, I was like, this poor guy, this literally looks like the worst 
work in the world to do. There's a lot of shit and piss in this movie. And farts. So much potty humor. (laughs) The farting. Just a constant farting. The farting. So much farting. And at a a certain point, like I as an audience member, um, I just completely gave myself over to this movie at a certain point where I just kicked back in my chair. Uh, I I was grinning ear to ear and I was just like, this movie's ridiculous. I love it. You know, like it's that kind of euphoric feeling of you got to just let the movie kind of take you. Yeah. Um, and you have to be open to that. If if you're going to be like off put by the farting, the masturbation, there's a lot of masturbating in this movie. Um, you know, there, there's a lot, there's a lot of disturbing imagery as well. I think if you take it way too seriously, um, you're not going to have the desired effect that this movie wants to have on you. No, you have to. It is definitely one of those movies where you have to just give yourself over to it and, you know, let yourself go and just be fully immersed in the world of this thing. <laughs> you either give yourself over completely to it or you can't. And, I mean, I was able to definitely give myself over to it. I think it helps with, you know, Every little choice, the production design, the black and white cinematography and the academy framing, um, the uh, the score, the mm-hmm. costumes and performances, the language. That blaring horn from the lighthouse. Oh, my God. It all puts you right in that place, you know? Oh, yeah, yeah. And it, it puts you on edge. You can yeah. never fully relax with that movie. I mean, it's almost like, like you were saying. Uh, about you almost have to let go and let yourself be absorbed by the movie um and and just almost accept accept it and go with it or else i mean i i i don't think this is really a straightforward horror film Uh, i see it more as a black comedy and yeah. I think if people are going into ex- expecting just a straightforward horror film about some blokes on a, you know, on an island going mad, they, I mean, they'll get that, but they, they might be disappointed in terms of like the goody supernatural goings yeah. on because there isn't really, it's not, no. I mean, I don't know. I don't know how to describe it because it is a horror, but it isn't a horror. It's It's a nightmare. It's It's a psychological nightmare. That's that's like the best way to put it. And that's part of the reason why I'm like very, very convinced that it's the worst kind of psychological nightmare. It's literally in a hell that this guy cannot escape. Um, You know, every time like, you know, he he thinks he's going to leave because the boat's coming. I I put myself so much into that mindset of that character of like, man, if I was trapped on this island with a masturbating, farting Willem Dafoe, who uh, is making me all this food all the time and I'm getting pitched drunk with him and shit. And I found out that boat wasn't coming. Oh, man, I would start to lose my mind. Absolutely. I'd be upset. (laughs) <laughs> very very upset that scene also too where he's like you don't like my cooking oh my god <laughs> it's so funny i love it amazing love it and he's like oh tell me you like my lobster, <laughs> my lobster. you like my lobster <laughs> i know you like my lobster and then defoe goes on this amazing amazing tirade that yeah. that monologue that he has that are just completely insane. His eyes, I swear to God, as that camera kept getting closer and closer on his face, I legitimately thought his eyes were going to pop out of his skull. It was so, so intense. Yeah, yeah. And I, I, 
what's amazing about his performance is that you I mean both of them you do you forget that they're acting I mean they just lose themselves in I mean, that badness well when Pattinson like finally lets go and you know his performance in the third act like because you know he's biting his lip a lot of times through this movie Defoe's like kind of chewing up the scenery and then Pattinson just unleashes in that third act in a way that quite honestly um I would go so far as to say that, yeah, you know what? Uh, Fuck it. Yeah. I think that this is the best work from both men's careers. I, I, uh, yeah, I think so. I'm, I definitely agree, especially, um, uh, person. I feel like this really, you know, people always say like, oh, he's just a guy from Twilight, but I mean, watch Twilight and then watch this film and just see how intense he's, become as a as a presence on the screen i mean uh, yeah oh my god i get i get the the scene where he's chasing him and uh, with the axe and oh the the horror of it i just love it i love it so much but yeah i i will they get oscar noms i think defoe has a chance (laughs) honestly (laughs) The Academy is not touching this with a 500-foot pole. You don't think that actors could respect what Defoe is doing, at least? Could, yes. Enough to get an Oscar nomination? I don't think so. Hmm. Listen, man, I don't know what Willem Dafoe has to do to win an Oscar. The man literally crawled on all floor, all fours, you know? I Seriously. L- literally, literally like a dog crawling on all fours. <laughs> by, by that point in the movie, I was just like, I don't know where this thing is going anymore, and I don't fucking care. I am just along for the ride. <laughs> I was like, this is getting – it just was so maddening. <laughs> oh, my gosh. Insane. This movie is just like it's on another level, honestly. It really, really is. It's yeah. operating on a level that is beyond any other like film that I've seen like in recent memory. Because, as I said before, I think every single element of this film, uh, from a technical standpoint to the writing to the performances, the the vision from Eggers, it's all just on a higher level. It, it, like I, there's no other way to put it. The other thing too, I'll also say as well is that. Uh, I'm kind of amazed that this film only has, like, these two main cast members in it. Like, there's, like, a person here or there that, like, pops up or something. Like, a mermaid. Yeah, a, mer- a mermaid. Yeah. It really is a two-hander, except from the mermaid. Right. And the seagull. <laughs> and the seagull. Y'all, that, se- oh y'all, God, that seagull, seagull. I-, I thought of Finding Nemo immediately. Mine. Mine. <laughs> mine. 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 And now that's going to be replaced with this film with what? 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 <laughs> What? 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 Yeah, I just like, oh my god! Oh, I love this movie. Um. So, but anyway, what I was saying though, uh, in regards to, in regards to that, was the editing of this movie. Um, for it being almost two hours long and being a two-hander and being on a single, being in a single location the entire film, this uh, small island, I was very extremely impressed. With the fact that I never, not once, ever thought that this movie dragged. Uh, yeah. Because oh, considering that it is a high art film and such, you know, a lot of times, you know, the pacing can be a little slower. Uh, but as I said before, this is not like a deep dive into madness that progressively gets more and more crazy. It literally starts off at crazy. And it just gets even crazier from there. <laughs> you yeah, know? I just love like when 
they first get to the lighthouse and they just stare into the camera that just look and it's just you know that they're already mad like the 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 like you were saying about the eyes the wide eyes they just look like it's literally robert Pattinson, <laughs> willem dafoe looking at the audience and saying are you fucking ready <laughs> are you ready for this shit strap <laughs> you are not ready <laughs> no you are not ready not at all uh, Dan, I'm really curious. What is your read on the movie? Uh, your like interpretation of the ending and such. I don't have one. I mean, <laughs> I I really just like I was so along for the ride that I was just focused on what the film was presenting. I was not really analyzing it at all um, as it was going on. I, I liked um, Bianca's interpretation that this is uh, purgatory, but I I don't I don't know I uh, <laughs> I like I definitely like they're they're going crazy together and I really like that about it at any rate <laughs> I I don't know I I don't know I that's okay. You don't need to make sense of the senseless. <laughs> I know, that was the thing. Like to me, like it, th- this film, it, like I couldn't shake the feeling, like all the way through, that it's just a lot of sound and fury signifying nothing. Like it's just about the descent. Into- well, I, I, that's where I'm going to step in because I thought about that too, Dan. At first, I really did. There was kind of an initial reading that I had of the film, but the more and more I thought about it, and the more I, um, you know kind of like looked at back of my notes and such, I, I started to realize that this movie is a lot about uh, dependency, isolation, trust. Um, you know, forget 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 the fact that they might potentially be the same person. Let's imagine they are two different people here um, and they are stuck on this island and they don't very much like each other, you know, because one is a master, the other one's like a subordinate and so on and so forth. So they kind of have this antagonistic relationship from the very beginning. Um, and they're and they're very distrustful uh, of each other. I think that there are moments in this movie where it actually becomes quite tender between the two of them in a way that um, it was never quite sexual, but it was also never quite like Shawshank Redemption best friends like scenario either. <laughs> the bromance of the year. But there is really? something going on there though, um, mostly because they don't have anyone else. And I think there is a commentary there just in regards to isolation and that feeling and that need to want to be held by someone, you know? Mm. Oh, totally. I was just thinking, and this is one reading that you could potentially um, associate with the film, is could it be, you were saying about dependency and master sort of, and I guess essentially uh, servant, could it possibly be, I'm trying to incorporate the Greek mythology here, that Defoe's character is God and Patterson is representing humanity and this need to be with, uh, like, uh, to dis- almost uh, ascend into a higher spiritual being and this need to be, you know, it's almost like a daddy complex going on here, you know, this idea of being seen by your creator or maker and and the whole thing about him wanting to go see the light and almost steal it and when he does get to that point where he gets rid of 
the father figure and tries to become him, he then... He's cast down, basically. Mm. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I don't know. I, I'm just thinking because uh, Eggers is has said that he's he's very heavily influenced by the work of Bergman and uh, Ingmar Bergman obviously w- was uh, his, the son of a priest and there's a lot of religious overtones in his work uh, I'm just wondering whether that's something that could <sighs> possibly play into it that's a really deep and uh, yeah yeah I or it could Everything just be always a... comes back to a Christ allegory. <laughs> <laughs> oh, it could just be a movie about two blokes living together and what happens when you put two guys in uh, on an island. I feel like that's, you know, if we were to do a, a study, that's this, like 99.9% of cases would have that happen, where it's just right. blokes, you know, it's just piss- mad. pissing. Fine. But that's like one of the best things about this movie is that um, I think both interpretations in terms of the literal and also the symbolic are accurate here. I think if you want to accept this movie as it is and not read deep into it, you totally can. Mm. Everything is there to support that. But then there is also, you know, these visions that are thrown in and. Um, these moments where you don't know what's real and what's not. And as a result, it invites you to dive a little bit deeper if you want. But I don't think either reading is wrong. Oh, no. I think it's one of those great movies where, like, it can be about whatever you want. Right. Like, whatever interpretation you have of this movie, there is evidence there to support it. And that that's part of the fun of it, I think, after it words. You're like, I am enjoying this movie a lot more now discussing it with you guys and thinking like, well, what was this about and what is this symbolizing and all this stuff than I did watching it. And I had a pretty good time watching it yeah. too. <laughs> yeah. Did you also notice too that the uh, seagull was missing an eye and at the end of the movie, Robert Pattinson's also missing his eye because it's been plucked out by the seagulls? There, there was one of the seagulls that was missing an eye. Yeah. Uh, the one in the beginning was not, I don't think. Well, so they weren't the same seagull? Is that what we're saying? Well, the, there are a whole lots of seagulls. You know, one could oh. one could read into, uh, you know, that seagull that gets killed by Pattinson never really got killed by Pattinson. He just came back to get his revenge. Yeah. This is, <laughs> this is the thing. You really, if anything, uh, that film has taught us is that we need to respect birds yeah because yeah they don't they really really do have a thing against us i mean like come on well how many more films do we need about birds for us to get the message well just like um black philip in the witch uh right. I, that that seagull needs a name i don't i don't know what um. we're gonna name him but he needs he needs a name I mean, like I just love that the seagull is not not Black Philip. Ooh. <laughs> I would like it if in every single one of Robert Eggers' films there is an animal and it's like the spirit of Black Philip just like transporting from like <laughs> Oh my god, that's amazing. Speaking of animals really quickly, um the giant squid in this movie. See, if nobody has seen this film, they're going to be, like, so confused. It's like seagulls, giant squids, mermaids. It's like, I hope I hope whoever's ever listening to the podcast has seen the movie because this is not going to make any sense. It doesn't make any sense otherwise. (laughs) At that point, I just was like, holy shit. Like, you know, there's many points in this movie where I really thought I had reached, um, like, a breaking point in terms of, 
you know, I, I was wondering when I was going to like finally be like, all right, that was a bridge too far. You know what I mean? Yeah, it's like surely we have reached peak crazy. <laughs> yeah, and, but it just like, keeps on going and going. Defoe was giving that King Triton monologue. I'm like, oh, okay, we're doing the whole, we're cursing. Oh, this is this is gonna get. Surely this is peak crazy for this movie, and nope, not at all, not even close. <laughs> and then also too, like I, I kept wondering, like how destroyed can their uh, cabin possibly get? <laughs> oh my god! <laughs> like yes. that set got fucked up by the weather. Oh my god! So the only set that has been more fucked up was Paris was in Paris. Yeah, basically. <laughs> <laughs> um, that was really really wild. And the other thing too, um, I'll also say about this. Uh, like just in terms of like the sheer madness of it all, um, the shot of Pattinson actually like in front of the light. Oh God, it's so good. And his like his scream and the distortion of everything that's happening with the sound and the visuals. I, the sound work in this movie is off the chain. It's so good. It's so good. Like you were saying about the the horn, it's just yeah. blaring all the time. And you, like, as a viewer, you start to go mad yourself. Even yeah, you know, if it what, like, it just adds that extra layer on top of this really fucked up cake that yeah. we're consuming. <laughs> <laughs> but <sighs> yeah, the oh that scene where he sees the light i mean oh my god it's just yeah he's just screaming oh also too uh just a little side note here um i don't think i've ever seen any character um on screen drink this much since nicholas cage <laughs> in uh leaving las vegas so much drinking <laughs> I legitimately thought to myself after a while, there's no possible way the human body can have that much alcohol. <laughs> they, they'd be dead, you know? And that's why they go insane, Matt. <laughs> well, don't, don't they start drinking like... The kerosene! Fuel? Yeah, oh my God. Yeah. And they're just drinking it neat. <sighs> I mean, that's what, that's what I love, is they start trying to like make their own moonshine and then he's just swigging it neat. And I'm like... Oh, it's disgusting. Oh. So disgusting. Amazing. Absolutely amazing. I don't have, like, anything else to really go into. Uh, do you guys have anything uh, that you want to just mention, or? <laughs> I just keep laughing. <laughs> I'm sorry. I just, like, I want to give a shout-out to everyone who worked on this film, because, yeah. like, the, fu- the freaking crafting of this movie is just... I mean, everything about it is technic on a technical level is perfect. It, yeah, I, this this definitely was not an easy shoot. I, I think that's very very clear when you're watching it, mm-hmm. due to the elements, due to uh, just how freaking grim it all looks. Um, I mean, the fog, the fog. Yeah. Not to mention, like I was saying before, from a physical standpoint, what Pattinson and Defoe do with their bodies in this, um, stuntmen or not, I mean, like, I just keep thinking of Willem Defoe on all fours, and I'm like, yo, your poor <laughs> knees, how old is this man? Even if he's got knee pads on, uh, that must suck. <laughs> yeah, and then he gets thrown into the dirt. And, oh, my God. Uh, Amazing. Uh, and uh, he just continues, like, 
as he's mm-hmm. having like all that dirt shoveled on him to continue talking. He's like still monologuing as dirt yeah. gets thrown in his mouth. I was like watching them like, I really hope that that's like coffee grounds or something else because like I feel bad that he's getting actual dirt like thrown on him. Like this is so uncomfortable to watch, but it was... It was can't look away cinema. Like I, I could not look away from it. Yeah. I was mesmerized by what I was watching on screen from these two, and I think that's like part of the appeal here. Um, in terms of, I man, I don't. You know what? We'll get into awards talk in just a second here. I guess what? Uh, I guess before we get to the awards talk, let me uh, uh, just kind of recap everything by saying that this film is nearly perfect in my opinion. Um, I legitimately almost gave it a 10 out of 10. I was so, so close to doing so. But I am going with an extremely strong 9 out of 10. I think I think the reason why what's maybe potentially just holding me back ever so much is because I, I, I do have to respect the fact that this is an acquired taste and that this movie is certainly not for everybody. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, there are some people who are just going to loathe this movie. I've already seen, like, some of the audience reviews and, you know, how they can be sometimes. And, Dan, when you said before, like, you know, you felt like the movie was a little hollow or, like, it doesn't really have anything to possibly, like, say, despite how well made and committed it is, um, I do not fall for someone for thinking that because I initially thought that as well. But like I said, upon reflection, I think that there is some stuff uh, going on in this movie for sure. I I think Robert Eggers is smart enough to not make just a straight genre picture. I think he is implementing some stuff in there for for sure. So, Yeah, no, I I don't think that like it's nothing that you can't apply meaning to. I just the like while watching it it's very just like there's a lot happening and it is just it is literally just about these two guys being in a lighthouse together fucking each other up (laughs) and like it is one of those it's i guess that's my like weird way of saying that it's a for me it was a style over substance movie yeah like i said i'm not gonna fault someone for for having that read on the movie i'm not i I wouldn't fault them for that yeah, and but like, what fucking style? Yeah, I, oh I just think God. that the power dynamics <laughs> between the two characters and yeah. uh, the fact that it is like this psychological warfare between the two actors, like, I do think it, I, I think it does mean something. What it means, though, I think is very, very open to interpretation. And, uh, you know, Bianca has her read on it. I've got my read on it. Um, Bianca, I love the fact that you said it's possibly the same person. Like, uh, that that just blew my mind hearing that just now. I need to rewatch this freaking movie. <laughs> right. <laughs> <laughs> I, I know. I love how like, you can – it's just one of those movies that you can just have multiple readings of. And yeah, it, it it's very stylized, but um, I think that's what makes it so great and keeps you so invested. I mean, if it was just done as a straight psychological thriller or drama, uh, you it would come across as quite flat and melodramatic. I mean, it is very melodramatic, mm-hmm. but it's not... It's not done in a way that is deliberately campy. I I don't know. It just has this, it could go, you know, there are ways where you think it's going to go so over the top and it does go over the top, but 
it never becomes like a like a parody or or deliberately stagey even though it is stagey do you know what i mean like <laughs> i would love to see this staged oh my god oh my god yeah that would be amazing love it. <laughs> somebody please out there make the lighthouse the into a play oh my god yes. or a musical They're, why not they, oh they god, do sing musical. together <laughs> oh my god a musical would be amazing, like the she shanties. <laughs> I feel like that's what we we have to do. I'll be the seagull. You two can be like Robert Persons and Defoe's characters. So I'll just be the seagull in a giant seagull outfit and everything. I love it. Let's make it happen. Uh, Bianca, what's your grade? Um, I probably would be like you and say nine out of ten. I mean, I would love to give it a ten. But in the same sort of reason as you, I know that this film is going to be hated and loathed by people. And I just can't recommend it for everyone. And there are some issues with it. I mean, uh, the violence is very graphic and um, haunting. And is it completely necessary at some points? Like that poor seagull? Like, when that scene just goes on. Um, so, oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah I, I can't give it a, a 10 out of 10, but, yeah, 9 out of 10 for me. All right. Dan? I am at a very solid 8 out of 10. Okay. Uh, we kind of alluded to this a little bit before. Uh, we can bring it up again here. I genuinely believe Willem Dafoe should be in the supporting actor conversation. Should absolutely. And I do think that there is a world where it does happen. Yeah. I want to make it clear that I'm currently not predicting it right now. No. <laughs> uh, yeah. I I would love to see him walk away with the Oscar. But yeah, like for all the reasons Dan said, I don't think it's going to do that. I don't think it's it's possible. He is my. He, I'll tell you this much: he is my supporting actor winner. That's for sure. Oh yeah, pa- Paddington's oh. definitely in my actor lineup as well. Like the, these two performances are so so good that even if you want to dismiss it as being a genre picture or like oh it's not gonna be like embraced uh, awards wise, like you know, fuck that. I would put these performances up against <laughs> literally anybody oh, else I've seen this year. Absolutely. The problem is they're both leads. Right. I don't know about that because, and I say that only because I do believe the whole movie is told from Robert Pattinson's uh, perspective, and, not, and none of it's told from Willem Dafoe's perspective. Well, yeah, but he has those three, three monologues where it is nothing but him. Well, that's not true. He monologues to Pattinson. Yeah, he monologues to Pattinson, but for at least two, I think for at least two out of the three, the camera is like on Defoe the entire time. But I'm saying I don't think there are any scenes in the movie where there are any uh, yeah, I don't think there are any scenes with just Defoe. Pattinson's always with him. No, there's maybe one, but Is it where he's naked in the lighthouse? <laughs> <laughs> but I just like in it I think it's just as big a part. Well, it has to be. It's a 50-50 two-hander, you know. Yeah, exactly. 50-50. I'm looking. I guess I'm looking at it more from whose story is it. I, I think that's what the lens I'm looking at it through, 
And when I think about that, everything is from Pattinson's perspective. The whole movie. Yeah. Mm. Yeah, I think that's probably what is going to confuse, maybe. Uh, well, A24 is already committed to it. They've already put out the FYC um, you know, ads for it, and they firmly have said Pattinson's lead, Defoe, is supporting. Okay. Well, we got it from the seagull's mouth. So, uh. <laughs> and what do you guys think about um, uh, outside shot at this, like landing uh, any kind of a craft nomination, uh, especially cinematography, maybe? They love black and white movies. There mm. seems to be always one black and white nominee each year, and like this would be a damn good one. Yeah, I yeah, I think cinematography is a really good. It, yeah, real high chance for this film. I mean, um, I'd love for production design too. Mm. I think that'd be a little bit tough because it's so minimal. Yeah, but like, damn, that set. <laughs> oh yeah, no, totally with you on that. Um, I, I think, like I said before, all of the elements of production, like you know, this would be like in for editing, it'd be in for sound, sound. Oh my god, the, uh, yeah, the music yeah. in this movie um, is incredible as well. Like in, on my own personal ballot, this movie will be everywhere. On an Oscar ballot, it'll be lucky, lucky if he gets a single nomination. Yeah. But don't let that uh, deter you. (laughs) You know, if you really like it, vote for it. (laughs) So. Alrighty. uh, With that said, Bianca, where can I find you on the internet? Yeah, you can find me over at... uh the film B on Twitter and also uh, obviously a next be- best picture writing away all about black and white movies of the decade and yeah uh, also check out in their own league as well which is our website devoted to women in film excellent awesome Dan you can find me on Twitter at dance and Dan on film and you can find me at Next Best Picture. Thank you so much, everyone, for listening to our review of The Lighthouse here on the Next Best Picture podcast. You can subscribe to us on iTunes, SoundCloud, Google Play, Stitcher, TuneIn, Player FM, Acast, CastBox, and also on Spotify. Be sure to leave us a review on Apple Podcasts and let us know what you think of the show. We really, really appreciate your feedback as well as your support, which you can lend on over at Patreon for $1 minimum a month. You will get some exclusive podcast content from us. Thank you so much for listening. As always, we shall see you all next time. When I couldn't remember like parts of this movie, I just wanted to like help me to recollect. <laughs> I just wanted us to keep going what for as long as we oh, can try. What? Oh. See how long we could get that. What? 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 What?